In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Many of you are probably familiar with the old Shaker hymn, Simple Gifts. The first part of that hymn sings, "'Tis a gift to be simple, tis a gift to be free, tis a gift to come down where we ought to be." And what a gift that is, right? To come down right where one ought to be. To have that feeling of, yes, this place is just right. This job is the perfect fit. This relationship is the one. This prayer, this place with God is the one. The words to the hymn, Simple Gifts, keep things simple. But sometimes it's not that simple to recognize a gift. Especially if we think about what St. Paul refers to as spiritual gifts. In today's second reading, the first letter to the Corinthians, things are not always so simple. In and around church, um, when we think or talk about spiritual gifts, a lot of us tend to think first of those obvious sorts of spiritual gifts, the extreme ones, like speaking in tongues or interpreting tongues, that strange activity that seems to have happened on the day of Pentecost, and in some churches it continues happening today. Or perhaps if you're from my part of the world or you know the Appalachian area, uh, you know that there are those Christians who read a few verses of scripture and take them literally. And so they believe that God gives them the spiritual gift to fall into a trance-like state of prayer and handle live poisonous snakes. And then there's the spiritual gift of healing. We see it on television. Maybe we know it a little more quietly in our own lives. And so there are those spiritual gifts that stand out, but they're only the minority of what Paul is talking about. Notice what he says in today's reading. He, he mentions a long list of spiritual gifts, the, the gift of wisdom, the gift of knowledge, The gift of faith, the gift of healing, the working of miracles, prophecy, discernment, speaking in tongues, the gift of interpreting what is spoken. So often I think the the gift of tongues where it's most needed and most appreciated is when it's a third person trying to translate between two other people, often in the same language. Certainly, we could use someone with the gift of tongues in Washington today. (laughs) Everyone's speaking English, but they're not listening and they're not making themselves known. Later on in the same chapter of 1 Corinthians, Paul adds other gifts, in no way meaning to be exclusive in his listing, but, but instead to expand what we all think of as spiritual gifts. Paul adds the gift of teaching of administration, of offering assistance, of being of help, of doing great deeds of power, which are not necessarily miracles, but but simply um, a deed of power is a a project well-conceived, followed through, and completed, all for the glory of God. 
And maybe that's what makes spiritual gifts a little different from other kinds of gifts or qualities or characteristics that a person might have. A spiritual gift comes from God and then works with God to somehow enlarge and expand um, to in some way help God's kingdom unfold in our midst. And while spiritual gifts certainly come from God, I think we often need other people of faith for us to see the gifts that are within us. I bet each of us can think of a teacher, a family member, a neighbor, a mentor, who at some early stage looked at us and noticed something that we hadn't quite noticed ourselves. And so that person said, you know what, you're really good at X, Y, Z. Did you ever think of doing that more? Or you're really good at this. You should do it more. Sometimes it takes another person to work as a kind of spiritual mirror for us so that we can see spiritual gifts within ourselves. This weekend, our country remembers Martin Luther King Jr. and reflects on his legacy, the accomplishments, and the many, many things we've yet to realize. And while Martin Luther King Jr. was gifted in many, many spiritual ways, he, he, he was certainly a prophet. But that prophecy didn't come out of nowhere. He had family and community all around him at every stage to reflect and encourage and challenge that spiritual gift within him. As he wrote some years later, at the end of the day, I'm a Baptist preacher, he wrote. This is my being and my heritage, for I am also the son of a Baptist preacher, the grandson of a Baptist preacher, and the great-grandson of a Baptist preacher. And so whenever Martin Luther King Jr. doubted himself and his gift of prophecy, and we know there were times of doubt, as there would be for anyone, Martin Luther King Jr. not only had God supporting him, but he had that whole line of people who had worked as spiritual mirrors to remind him of his calling. Martin Luther King Jr.'s vision shocked people in his day and shocks a few of them still. But that's a part of being a prophet. It happens in our first reading as Isaiah is shocking to the people of his day. Uh, the people of his day felt lost and abandoned and cut off from God. And Isaiah shocks them awake by saying, not only has God never forgotten you, not for a minute, but God loves you with a love that surpasses marriage and the greatest love imaginable. Through Isaiah, God says, you shall be called by a new name. You shall be crowned of beauty. You shall be called my delight. There's a bit of prophecy in today's gospel. The gospel also includes a number of other things. It shows us the first of Jesus' signs, the enlargement of God's realm, the, the making of little into much. But it's also about the unveiling and the development and the use of spiritual gifts. Notice how the Virgin Mary exercises several spiritual gifts in this story. She has the gift of discernment, of being able to read the room and, and see the situation for what it is, not only what it is, but what it can become. 
She has the gift of encouragement as she suggests to Jesus that he do something. (laughs) If we think back a couple of weeks, we recall how Mary, soon after receiving the news from Gabriel that she would bear the Son of God, how Mary then visited her relative Elizabeth. Elizabeth, I think, seems to have been that sort of spiritual mirror for Mary. She helped Mary see within herself her spiritual gifts of grace, of, of blessedness, of faith, and of strength to keep following God. And so Mary's gifts of discernment and faith grow and increase. And in today's gospel, we see Mary a little older and Jesus probably as a young man. And they attend this wedding and Mary's gifts save the day. She tells Jesus, look at this, do something. And we hear his comment that sounds a little like a snarky teenager to a parent. I think this is one of those rare windows where we see Jesus' humanity as he's developing into the Son of God. And he slowly realizes his own spiritual gifts. I imagine Mary shooting Jesus one of those looks that only a mother can give. That kind of look that says, you know what to do, now stop complaining and do it. And he does it. Jesus makes the miracle of water into wine. Not so much for the wonder of that miracle itself, but for what it shows and for what it promises. It says, this is how God works. God stirs up abilities and talents and and strengths within each of us, things that we never imagined were there. And then a miracle can occur. And so Elizabeth provides a mirror for Mary, and Mary provides a mirror for Jesus. And Jesus is the risen Christ who shines through each of us, provides a mirror for us and through us to one another. One of the great blessings of being church together is that we have a whole room of holy mirrors. The saints in the windows, yes, but also the saints in the pews. Let the Holy Spirit stir up spiritual gifts within you. Let the Spirit use you to stir up and encourage and inflame spiritual gifts in the people around you. It's the far too easy work of the world to criticize, to see what's lacking or what's missing, or to measure, quantify, or assess. But it's the work of the Spirit of God to unveil to encourage, to embolden, and to nurture spiritual gifts. That beautiful Shaker hymn I mentioned at the beginning of the sermon continues on, "'Tis the gift to be simple, tis the gift to be free, tis the gift to come down where we ought to be, and when we find ourselves in the place just right, will be in the valley of love and delight where true simplicity is gained to to bow and to bend we shan't be ashamed to turn turn will be our delight till by turning and turning we come round right I love the turning it's a song that makes one want to dance and turn and spin in whirling dervish like prayer 
It's that returning in the hymn that suggests that as people of faith, we're always learning and growing and turning and returning to God. As long as we live on this earth and perhaps even beyond, God's spirit fans and inflames the spiritual gifts within us. May we be attentive and faithful to grow. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.